Seven billion humans on Earth can't all like the same drink. That's why Circle K has Polar Pop and Froster. Pick your flavors and make that one in seven billion mix just right for you. Polar Pop and Froster, just 79 cents each at Circle K. Limited time only at participating locations. Shut up and sit down. but that was my way of celebrating his birthday. Um, I also, to celebrate Harry Potter's birthday, sprained my thumb. Is that even possible? It must be I did it. I don't even know how I did it. I. It's ridiculous, right? Who's ever sprained their fucking thumb? It doesn't make any sense. But... If anybody is going to break something or sprain something in some weird-ass way, it's going to be me. I am the woman who tripped over air and broke her own foot. So, the second time. The first time was the dog. Long live Buttons. I hope he's having a great time in Florida. Um, but my thumb, my whole thumb, all, from the tip of my thumb all the way to the middle of my palm on my left hand is is all sore and shit, which is terrible. I'm glad the challenge is over. Today's like we're in the last two hours of the challenge, and I finished early because I had no idea how much I used my left thumb to type until I tried to type. That's all I'm going to say about that. It's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. Buttons did go to Florida. What happened was, what had happened was, is that Buttons knocked her mother off her porch and broke her hip. Um, Buttons was my neighbor's dog, and Buttons is the dog who knocked me off my driveway and broke my foot, Um, and he knocked her mother, the owner's mother, off the porch and broke her hip, and um, uh, her brother came up from Florida and confiscated the dog because he told her she wasn't a responsible dog owner, which was true. Um, And so now Buttons is living the high life in Florida. Now, Buttons is a Doberman Pinscher, and there's a story on my live journal about Buttons. Um, You'll find it in my Slice of Life tag. And it's really, really long, and I forget the name of it, but I am pretty sure that before the show is over, someone's going to go find it, and there will be a link in the chat room, and I'll mention it when that happens. Um, uh, but, yeah, it was terrible. It was a terrible no-good day for me, And um, but I digress. I sprained my thumb. How I, And the worst part is, is I'm going to confess this to you, and I am not going to confess this to my mother. I'm going to tell you a story first. Um, I have some medical restrictions right now, and for for a bit there, I was only allowed to lift like 20 pounds. And there was a joke running around in my family that because of my weight limit on that I couldn't carry my own purse. 
it doesn't actually weigh 20 pounds, but that was the joke, right? So my doctor recently lifted it to 50 pounds, and I told my mom, and she says, oh, now you can carry your purse. And she thought that was really fucking funny, right? Really fucking funny. My purse weighs 9 pounds and 16 ounces. I'll have you know because I weighed it just out of curiosity, just pure curiosity. And that's when I have my tablet in it, my uh I have a Galaxy Tab. When I have my Galaxy Tab in it, um, it yeah, it weighs almost 10 pounds. I, I'm not going to lie. But regardless, um, I had to <laughs> So today I went to go to the store, and I was gathering up all my stuff, and I picked up my bag, my purse in such a way that it caught my fingernail. And I have um, I have a gel overlay over my natural nail. And if, if, for those of you who don't know what that means, that means um, I have a hard layer of acrylic gel over my nail. Now, having broken this before, having broken my nail off, in the quick. I learned that lesson a long time ago. So if I get into a situation where I feel like my nail is going to come to harm, I will sacrifice whatever I have to sacrifice to make sure that does not happen again because it was excruciatingly painful. What I did was I picked up my purse and it caught um, in this metal buckle in the strap, you know, the one where you can adjust the strap, and it caught, and I let I let go of my purse because I was afraid I was going to break my nail, and it hooked onto my thumb and jerked it down, and all 10 pounds of my purse wrenched my thumb, and now my thumb is, is sprained. I, and that's the ridiculous story of my thumb being sprained um so apparently no matter what my doctor might say i'm not actually qualified to pick up more than five pounds much less 50 um i'm just saying so that's what happened um so my whole fucking left hand is like i don't know kind of numb but kind of sore at the same time it's really irritating. Tonight we're going to discuss exposition and in the narrative and information dumping and stories, which, you know, I think that information dumping um, has uh, two roots. One is you prepare so much and you know so much about your story and you feel like you have to tell your reader everything you know and you get really excited to do that. And the other part of it is is the fact that we were all – press ganged into reading literature in high school and those motherfuckers treated exposition like it was a good thing. Every one of them. Steinbeck was the worst. Oh, God. Who the hell? Don't even get me started on Grapes of Wrath. Who the fuck cares about that turtle? I hope that turtle got ran over. And if you don't know what I mean, be grateful. Just just be grateful and walk away from it. You don't You don't need to know. Yeah, I'm going to tell you. In the Grapes of Wrath, there is an entire chapter dedicated to a turtle crossing the fucking road. Now, what that is is a metaphor for the family in, that's part of the, the story in their cross 
country trip. It's a metaphor, but that metaphor could have been 10, 15 pages shorter. I'm, I'm just saying. It could have been a paragraph. A paragraph would have been great. It was a chapter. Be grateful you've never had to read it if you haven't read it. And if you have read it, you have my deepest sympathy. And the movie sucked too. Sucked bad. Anyways, I'm not bitter or anything about it. Just, you know. But that's where I think because we spend so much time in high school and in college uh, being exposed to the these great works of literature, and I mean that as sarcastically as you'd like me to mean it, um, and uh, we get this idea that we have to do it this way in order to be, to be we, we try to emulate Bronte and Steinbeck and Pearl S. Buck, who's actually a beautiful lyrical writer. I mean, I think Pearl S. Buck is, was super, super talented. Um, but what they wrote today is not publishable. What they wrote in the past could not be published today. Um, I, I don't know how to tell you Lord of the Rings fans this, but Lord of the Rings would have never been published in today's fiction market. No. There isn't a publisher on earth that would have touched Lord of the Rings. Now, I would never presume to arrogant, to um, to uh, edit Tolkien, um, but we do need to remember that he got paid by the word. <laughs> I'm just saying, he literally got paid by the word. So if you ever wonder why you're 200K into a story and you're not even near the middle, and you're reading Lord of the Rings, you'll know by the word. Um, we're going to put Lady Holder on. She's going to help me tonight. We're going to be talking about uh, exposition and ways that you can info dump on your audience in a way that does not look like information dumping. Um, and so I'm going to put her on the phone. Hello. Hello. I spent the last two hours watching um, voice auditions on YouTube. Um, I spent, how much did I spend? About a half hour in between doing other stuff, listening to that damn podcast you put up, trying to find the fucking tea lady, because I knew. Oh, well, it was, if you'd <laughs> asked me, I'd have told you, it was at an hour and ten minutes. Okay. No, it was still fun listening. Now you know. Yeah, I tried I to actually put it on the thing when I posted it on Facebook, but I thought that would be, you know ugly <laughs> people would want to fast forward through it just so they can hear that part um but you know yeah it was at the hour and um 10 mark okay yeah and we're not going to rehash the tea lady again i know That's here's the thing here's the thing it's uh, i know i know it's um that was i've actually had people um email me and ask me if that was actually an <laughs> argument we had oh, God, um, no. <laughs> lady lady holder and i don't argue that's a I, no 
we've gotten a little snippy with each other, like once or twice, but I have never actually, in all the time that I've known Lady Holder, had an, an argument with her. Mm-mm. Um, we have the same basic politics. We don't discuss religion. Uh, we have the same basic, you know, we just really, we're we're two peas in a pod. And um, two crazy peas in a pod. Someday. And, and <laughs> really, when it comes to arguments, I only ever argue with people I think are really, 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 really wrong about practically everything. Mm-hmm. So no, Lady Ozzy Holder and I don't argue. No matter how it might sound on the radio show or how we're um, snip sniping at each other on Facebook, we're not actually because arguing. I if anybody no, if anybody has seen um, when when Azura and I get into a sticker war, and we just start getting more and more outrageous, that's basically how Kira and I are. But we do it with actual words instead of stickers, so it works out well. Um, and whoever cracks first um, loses. So, you know, whatever. You know, you've got a hell of a lot of slices of life on here. I, I'm, where the hell am I? I knew you were over there looking. <laughs> Jesus, I'm in 2011. It, was, it had to be like in 10, 2010 when I did that. I, it wasn't long after. See, that's the thing about Live Journal. It has a st- super crappy fucking search thing. I mean, it is really fucking. It doesn't and, you know, have actually, a search thing. It does too. It's at the top. Um, yes, uh, for finding people's fucking pages. No, I type in buttons. I find. Ah, fuck it. Oh, oh no, no, no. It does. It, it it does title searches and it'll do like person searches, um, and. I actually did a um, survey for Live Journal recently because I stopped paying for Live Journal about six months ago, mm-hmm. and they sent me this um, survey asking me basically why I stopped sending them money, and they gave me an opportunity. It wasn't just yes and no questions. There were little boxes. <laughs> oh God! So no video. <laughs> I unloaded all of my <laughs> irritation about Live Journal. <laughs> Um, in that <clears throat> survey, mm-hmm. I really hope they have additional questions because they told me at the end if they had additional questions, they'd like to contact me. Would I be okay with that? And I checked yes. So I am waiting for my additional questions. Live Journal, are you listening? Are you listening, Russians? <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I stopped paying for Live Journal because those motherfuckers, I was paying them I don't know how much a year, and they limited how many friends I could have. Now, there's a limit on number of Facebook friends you can have, but you don't pay Mm -hmm. for Facebook. Now, I was paying for Live Journal, which means I shouldn't have a fucking limit on how many friends I could have. It Mm -hmm. really fucking pissed me off, and I had a lot to say about it. Mm-hmm. A lot. A lot. It took me an hour and a half to fill out a survey they said would take 15 minutes. And I still haven't gotten Before or after you sprained your thumb? This is before or after you sprained your thumb? Ah, damn it. Okay. Um, so, okay. Live Journal, dear Russians, I'm waiting. Dear Russia, I am waiting for you to ask me additional questions. 
I keep saying that because a Russian <laughs> company bought LiveJournal, and that's when it went to shit. And I think it's because they had yeah. no idea how much gay porn was on LiveJournal until they bought it. <laughs> no. Not so much. Because, like I said, the search function is really, really bad. So they had no idea that mm-hmm. LiveJournal was this big, giant... Um, ocean of slash porn until they bought it and probably got access to the code and started looking at all the, you know, what was coming. Oh, see? Oh, look. Yeah. Oh, look. What? There's, yes, cock, what there's cock everywhere on LiveJournal. And so they started, you know, kind of like um, making it really difficult for fandom to function. And then they lost a whole mm-hmm. bunch of um, uh, users and couldn't figure it out. Well, guess what, fuckers? You made it difficult for us to function. And fandom was mm-hmm. 87% of your goddamn client base, you stupid. Mm-hmm. I'm not bitter. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Maybe a little. I ain't gonna lie. Okay, a little bit. <laughs> now. But other than that, other than my my survey about Obed Live Journal um, and celebrating Harry Potter's birthday with um, an epic piece, to this was actually a very um, important uh, kind of shift for the for the series because it's leading up into my season finale, which is gonna. And I'm on the fence about what to call it. I have two. Um, the thing is, is, I basically have two plots for season two. Because I plotted right. and then I replotted and then I went back to my first plot and then I and then I'm I'm kind of on the fence because there's a couple of things that's going to happen in the future and I know what season three is going to be about because season three they'll be out of Hogwarts Are we on and season two uh, coming next. Well, we're on season coming up. Oh, we're oh. on season two. We're going to start season said, two. My mom okay. is calling. Oh well. Oops, this is interesting. Okay. Um, I'm guessing that she's on, put us on hold, and I don't know if anybody can hear me. So I'll babble away. Yeah, um, I, I, would, I would end up, I would end up um, hanging up on the radio show, so I'm going to call her on my <laughs> cell phone. Yeah, That's the beauty figures. of having a house phone. Because I, you know, everybody says, why, why do you keep your landline? I'm like, why would I give my mm-hmm. landline up? Mm-hmm. I don't got to charge yeah. these fuckers, but I got to do my cell phone, which I'm always leaving dead. Yeah. That's that's one of those interesting things of I call, I get nowhere. Why are you calling? <laughs> yeah. Or I leave I am a little dainty, delicate fucking flower. You're about as dainty Hello, as mother. a uh, fucking flower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm on the radio mm-hmm. show on the internet. What are you doing? While she's talking to her mom, it's I'm, okay. you, I'm um, aging through they this. They can't hear you. No. And it's amazing yeah. the, the number of videos that are embedded in this thing and how many of them I remember. They're really good. July 22nd. No, I'm still not far enough back. It was it was mid it was like May, May or June. It must have been because you, if I remember right, you were all bitchy because you didn't get to wear your shoes. Your mother stole them. 
And right. you're still bitchy about that today. I'm talking to two people at the same time. Come pick me up at 11. We can go to Lowe's because I have to return um, those faucets that the plumber um, was bitchy about and I didn't get to install. Doesn't she owe you like four pairs of shoes too? From the one she stole for, the, for that summer? Good Lord, Mama. No, I don't want to get up before. I mean, if, if you pick me up at 10, that means I have to get up at 8. That's ridiculous. I won't even be off the Internet till 12, and I got stuff to do. I probably wouldn't want to go to bed till like 2 o'clock. <laughs> I would prefer that you not pick me up at 10. Oh, <laughs> 11 o'clock would Let be me great. Guess. Oh. <laughs> so I probably shouldn't let her know that, you know, uh, for me when I you, go to work, you, I get up um, a half hour before I have to leave the house. I think she's You want to get what? What? Plywood? Do you have a truck? Did you measure how much the uh, how much plywood you were going to need? <laughs> you need two feet of plywood. Okay. All right. All right. I don't know. Oh. Yes, yeah, they'll cut it. But for we you. could get a piece that's slightly bigger, and then you could get it cut at home. No. Does anybody have a, a circular saw in the family? Of course. Who are you talking to, girl? Are you serious? I, I think that what will happen will be is that we'll take it out into the garage <laughs> while he's there, and I'll attempt to do it, and he oh, will. Oh God, no! You sprained your thumb. No. <laughs> That's how you get a man to do something. You start doing it, and you start doing it badly, and then he will come <laughs> take over and rescue you. Come on now, Mama. Oh, God. This is basic oh. psychology. <laughs> this is basic Southern feminine flowers. It's great. <laughs> okay. I'm learning so much. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said, Jeep. Oh, God. Now, I mean in the morning tomorrow, 11 o'clock. Lowe's is not open at 11 p.m. that I know of. Okay. Okay. Well. Okay, so once I needed a light bulb change, this is where I have one of my broken feet, and my husband um, kept putting it off and didn't do it and didn't do it. So I got the ladder out of the kitchen, you know, the little kitchen ladder with the the back, Mm -hmm. you know, just a little step ladder. Um, And I was kind of kind of crawl up on it with my broken foot. And he did it for me. So this is how you take care. This is how you make a man do something he don't want to do. You half-ass do it in front of him, and he will do it for you. And if he won't do it for you, you need a new one. Just mm-hmm. If he's going to let you half-ass use a circular saw, you need a new man. And to answer your question, I live in the South, and all of my relatives that I'm blood-related to are just big old hillbillies. Of course they all have circular saws. Yes, but do they, they all have, have garages? Oh, yeah, my dad has a garage, like, um, in the backyard okay. with, like, he has a garage as big as some people's houses. It's got okay. electricity and central air. That's impressive. That's southern. Okay. 
Well, I found the one. It had to be I like April or May because we bought summer shoes. Um, yes, and, and I'm, I didn't get I'm, to wear I'm, any I'm, of them because I had a fucking casket on the whole summer. Casket. The thing Did is, you hear me I'm, say I'm, that? Yes, I heard you say that, and and <clears throat> as far as your foot was concerned, it was. I'm back it in. It totally and, was. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm back into January 2000. I don't think it's a slice of life. It has to be because I did all of them that way. I've reorganized. It might be '09. Uh, I didn't think it was. But I have broken my foot twice. A good way to determine that would be to go over to the site and figure out what year we published. We um, published Birth of the Serpent King because I wrote Birth of the Serpent King when I broke my foot. Because uh, it was broken and I thought it was going to die, so I put it in the casket. Mm-hmm. It was actually one of those stupid air casts, but um, whatever. 2011. Oops. Okay, maybe I passed it. Oh, well, let's keep on. All right. I found all the videos that you put up, and I found some of the the, <laughs> the really interesting. Um, we have some really interesting videos that you were posting at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, do you realize it's been more than five years since inception? Because you're talking about it in August 2010. I oh, know. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, info dumps. Info dumps are where it takes, if if you have a chapter where all you're doing is dumping information that could be dribbled and drabbed with people saying it, it it's a bit much. What it does is it drags your pace down and it makes your reader bored and then they skip the whole fucking thing. So all that effort you put into it is wasted. So it's a wasted effort. I read it once and then I I never read it again because I don't have... I do. I will Um, skip straight to the next piece of dialogue. (laughs) I'm going to tell you right now. I I will skip to the next piece of dialogue because... That's how annoying I find it. And if I, and and if you do it to me more than once, I will close your shit and not read it at all. Uh, yeah. By now, the way, there we, is we a apparently... difference between your character not talking and an information mm-hmm. dump. Your character can move and think around a situation and not speak, and it not be information dumping, and it not be exposition. It can just be them thinking and moving through an environment, and that's fine. That isn't the same thing. But when you're just giving your reader a whole bunch of information mm-hmm. that you think they need, that is actually what it boils down to, is not even from a character's point of view, it's just backstory mm-hmm. it's basically mm-hmm. like one big author note in the middle of your of your book and you didn't market author note that's what exposition is and it's bad don't do it oh found it somewhere it was somewhere in october 
because you're commenting that your hurt your 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 foot hurts like a mud. It's not in this. Okay. October 2010, September. Okay. Aha. I think I found it. What was it labeled? No. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Aha, found it. It was labeled suckage on a level previously unknown. September 30th, <laughs> 2010. I must have broke my foot the second time with the shoes. The shoes I think so, because... Time. Yes, because That's the, the day 16, I bought Kentucky Fried Chicken. Um, oh, the meow. Yeah, that's Farragut. Um, and Ghost. Sorry, guys. They, they were asking what the noise was in my background, and that's my cats. Um, oh. the, it says, at 6 p.m.-ish, I'm opening the driver's side back door so I can bring all the crap I have with me in the house when, out of, when I'm hit out of nowhere by roughly 50 pounds of Doberman. My stupid, neighbor's girl, my stupid neighbor girl's Doberman, to be exact. He's about eight months old, so not fully grown, and he hates me. The damn dog knocked, knocked me off the driveway, and before I can, could, uh, can even try and defend myself, he's dragged, me off, he's dragged off me by my own dog, my dog, Cisco. Well, yes, I did name him after Captain Cisco on DS9. Drags this dog off into the yard and shakes him around like a rag doll by the neck. And stupid neighbor girl is screaming, and I'm screaming in agony. I remember this. This was bad because I think he went silent on me again. No, no, that was when I was riding Birth of the Serpent King. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was that was um let's see, it's a lot one so anybody who isn't your friend on live journal they'll have to become your friend but that's the post i can't get back i can't make any more friends on live journal because they're mean to me i'm sorry if you're not actually already a friend do you I'm want sorry. me to copy and paste the damn thing on the facebook no i do not <laughs> okay you know, and and in this one, you you actually were getting up possibly before dawn because you said you woke up early and it was a gorgeous day. Six a.m. Fuck was I think? Seven a.m. I don't know. You were going over to the co uh, to the cafe. Smug Mother's uh, Club arrived, and snotty writer, oh. uh, snotty chick lit writer talked about them in a truly fresh and vicious way to amuse me, because they're no good pitches. Ah. <laughs> uh. Fortunately, those bitches stopped coming to the cafe because um of my porn discussions. So that was a win. Hey. Yeah, and then around 9 a.m., hot ass barista's boyfriend came in and got settled uh, with the school st with his school stuff. Um you called It was a good day to broke my foot. Yeah. Uh, let's see. You posted on Live Journal at 9:32 around 10:30. Mean nerd um, came down and sat two tables down from you. Apparently, you and and um, he, you and mean nerd, got into apparently a sincere and utter bitching fest. Happens. 
Oh. My foot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. That was a bad year. Oh God. I remember this particularly when you are not a happy camper. And my and doctor was an asshole. Well, well, that seems to be ha- happening a lot. I don't like male doctors. I know that sounds whatever that is. Um, I have never mm-hmm. had a male doctor who actually paid attention to me. I would not. You could not pay me to go to a male gynecologist. Not my favorite thing, you, no, but... You could not pay me to do it. I would not do it. If I had no choice but to see a male gynecologist, my general practitioner would be doing my pap smear. The problem is, is I uh, remember I was in the service, and we didn't really have any. And that just kind of sucked all over, but, you know, you... you stare up at the ceiling and, and you know... Pay attention to to the um, uh, corpsman who was there with you to make sure everything was going well. Well, Senator, what I would tell you is is that even all of these years later, my foot is still not healed because mm-hmm. of the bone that I broke in my foot, which is a bone that um, is uh, prone to breakage if you're a professional dancer. It's a very small bone on the side of my foot, and the way it was broken. The only way to fix it would have been, well, the only way to truly fix it would have been to put a pin in it, which would have required surgery. And for those of you who aren't particularly aware of the fact that I am a a diabetic, and they don't operate on your feet when you're a diabetic unless they have no choice. The end result is, is that I didn't get the surgery on my foot. And so my foot is still technically broken even though it doesn't hurt anymore mm-hmm. unless it rains. Now, yeah, oh, my, you know, uh, I didn't re-break it. No, I broke my other foot. Mm-hmm. I have, in the past six years, broken both of my feet. It wasn't the same one broken over again. Nope. That would have almost been, like, explainable. I mean, because it, it didn't heal, right? So it would be like, oh, well, of course, you mm-hmm. know. But no, 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 <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> I broke both of my feet. That is, It's fucking ridiculous. It is fucking ridiculous. There, There is, um, let's see. I'm trying to remember when that one was because it gets warm. I don't remember when this one was. Was it 2011 was it April or 2012? Or May? Go look and see when Warm Ages was published. Because yeah. I wrote uh, that old Black Magic so, while, my, that, while my second foot was broken. Yeah, but you wrote, wait a second, you wrote one of these in November. I, I got this massive, you know, surprise, 2012. I wrote Birth of the Serpent King in a month. I know you did. I wrote War Mages in two weeks. Hmm. I know it's ridiculous. 
anyways, exposition. One of the best ways to <laughs> give your to give your reader information without dumping a whole bunch of stuff on them at once is to intermix events into dialogue and into situations where one of your characters is telling another character what happened. Um, and it just it brings it all together and you get the information. And I actually had been doing this in the Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond over the past couple of episodes. Since so much of it is written from Harry's point of view and Harry's stuck at school and he's not seeing um, what's going on with his father and, you know, there's very few scenes where it's not about Harry or Hermione. Um, you see in the uh, Magic's Burden when the various people are on the stand, you're getting information about what's going on outside of their relationship. You're learning mm-hmm. about Percy's trial. You learn about um, their their investigation, and you learn about what's happening here, and you also learn during that time that um, Sirius has had all of the Dementors destroyed. And that's all intermixed Perfect. with... Um, the narrative of that particular story in such a way that it's not information dumping. And I did it again in the Vassals where you, where Lucas questions the situation with Hermione and you find out mm-hmm. that while everything is peaceful between Harry and Hermione, on the outside, outside of Hogwarts, her mother and Sirius and the goblins are basically waging a political war to keep her out of the hands of various governments who would like to experiment on her. Yeah. And so if you do it that way, if you if you if you push information into conversations uh sparingly, your reader finds out what they need to know and your characters learn what they need to know and none of it feels like information dumping. Occasionally, if you're if you're having a military themed one, having a briefing is a great thing because everybody can sit there and talk. Gets all the information dumped what? out of the way, but it makes it, it makes it seems like you're actually doing something. You did something really interesting with one of your stories. I think it was the unlikely and the unwilling. No, 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 no. It was Probably. the young sentinels and guides. It was it was the young sentinels okay. and guides. Because I actually emulated you when I was doing my falling slowly. Where what what she did mm-hmm. was was and I'm not sure which one it was I'm sorry, um, is that she intermixed events in the story with um, excerpts oh. of fictional books and essays. Yeah, yeah, I did. I remember doing that because and so what happens gave... is is you get this big scene, and then you get like this mm-hmm. little clip out of a fictional book that say Daniel Jackson wrote where he explains something mm-hmm. but it's small and it's and it's really focused on what you need to do and I tried doing that with Falling Slowly and it was really interesting so talk, talk about that the, the the thing and I'm, I've got one up and I'm going to um, pull it up it's um, the second story in the um Young Sentinels and Guides uh, series called Rescues and Dissertations. And 
Yeah, I'm sorry about this. I'm pasting it up. Okay, it's in the chat. So um, the the little thing on here, and it was a <coughs> the really fun thing is, is I actually named the the author after a couple people at work, but it was a um, it was a very big hint as to what was going on in the chapter, but it didn't really read like it because. Um, it was it's an it's an excerpt of a book, but I actually wrote I think I wrote the chapter first and then I wrote the the hint, so I made it all um, it all interrelated, okay, and so you have some idea of why everybody is so gaga over um, the characters, okay, so. It um it works well. I kept it short, and I try to keep it short because I don't need that huge mass of, of information that can get dumped. But it's just too useful occasionally to to not use it. All right. Um. I don't really think I put it in, put it up. Um. Yeah. Uh, written by the victors is like that. Um. Sorka states that the story is interspersed with journal and book entries that afford the, the narrative. And it's great. It really is because you get to see the, the narratives that she's talking about in the book entries, they aren't something that was, um, some of them are from the perspective of history, you know. And it was, very, it was a very interesting thing to, to read it. And I think that's actually where I got the idea, you know. So, good time. Um, One thing about written by the victors that um, mm -hmm. never comes up, and um, I it's one of the reasons why I haven't read it, um, is that mm -hmm. I don't know if this is actually true because I've not read it, but um, I heard there's cheating in it, that John cheats on mm -hmm. Rodney. And no. then eventually he now the the scene was described to me, and I know he eventually marries Taylor in a political marriage, and there's some babies and all mm -hmm. that stuff. But when he fucks her the first time, him and Rodney are together exclusively. That's cheating. The the marriage uh, is. It's basically a political show to start um, that they make work. So, um, but that fucking takes place before the political show. I don't believe I don't remember so. I but then again, I haven't read it in probably about five years. So that's what I heard, and that's why I haven't read it. Mhm. Mm because um, I don't read cheating. And I also, yeah, I have a real problem with John Taylor. <laughs> well, I can see that sometimes. It's like a younger sister. Why would he do that? Yeah, it does seem kind of incestuous. Now, I was described a scene where there is some kind of altercation or a fight or a battle of some kind 
um, and there's a lot of adrenaline going, and it's just John and Taylor in the aftermath, and they have sex. Before This is before the marriage. This is before all that political nonsense. It was just like an adrenaline bang, mm-hmm. and then Rodney forgives him for it, and then eventually him and Taylor get married, John Taylor get married for politics. That's the way it was described to me. I've seen it described that way more than once. Actually, I have not read it, and I won't read it because I don't like John and Taylor together, and that's why I've never read it. Um, I'm not attempting to bash the writer or the story itself. I've been told by many people that it is a fantastic fucking read, and I'm sure it is. I just don't dig that part. Mm-hmm. Can't say I blame you. The... Hmm. I don't remember. There's, I a, it in so there's long. a different conversation going on in the chat room about it, but like I said, I haven't mm-hmm. read it. Um, I'm not going to read it because I don't appreciate John and Taylor together as a couple. Um, That's not creepy at all. (laughs) Zora says the next day John admits to Rodney that he slept with Taylor, and Rodney Rodney tells him that he didn't marry Taylor, he married Atlantis. (laughs) That's just creepy. (laughs) It really kind of is. But it's not just sex once, because they eventually have children together, right? Yeah, they, I think they use a uterine replicator. Really? Yeah. By the way, I used that particular um, uh, data dump technique a couple times, actually. I actually used it in um, The Unlikely and The Unwilling as well. Well, see, I thought I had seen it in one of your Sentinel fix. Um, mm-hmm. It's actually in... You know, I get that whole baby, that baby machine for um, same-sex couples. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. even like with two women, because if you want to have the, the DNA mixing together and you know having it be a child be a both of you, but when it comes to a man and a woman using it, unless one of them has some kind of um, problem, I don't know why a woman wouldn't want to carry her baby. Depends on if she's I mean, in I've a never had situation that situation where I've, I've never had that experience if... either way, so. Yeah, I would love to have the experience, but I'm thinking about somebody like, say, Miko, who um, would be, you know, perhaps in a um, high uh, radiation environment and probably wouldn't want to. You know, and I can fully understand, you know, why why you would use the um, the baby making machine, or you know, I can see why Taylor would use it as well because. If you are in an environment where the chances of you, you know, doing the running and screaming routine are high, running, screaming, pregnant is a really good way to die. I don't know that I would want to have a baby either way if that was the life I was leading. I, you know... Mm -hmm. I mean, I know life carries yeah. on, right? And yet, I just don't know that I would. 
I'm impatient already, and if I got fucking race trying to hunt me down, uh, I'm not sure I have time for a toddler and the race. Something's got to give. I'm just saying, just saying. You yeah. got Shepard and McKay, and you got the fucking race. She's already got two kids, basically, in this political marriage. I'm not sure she has room <laughs> for another. <laughs> I mean, uh-huh. she's got this job. She's got John and Rodney, which are literally. I just don't know that Taylor has the energy for this. I mean, go, 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 you Taylor, go. That's <laughs> just. Uh huh. I'm just saying. McKay by himself is one big hot mess. I just. That's some mm-hmm. brave shit. In fact, I think it's braver mm-hmm. to have the kid with John and Rodney than it is to have the kid with with the race, like, looming in the background. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's an interesting thing. Sometimes when where I put um, data dumps, um, I, I, I have one that I did in, um, oh, what the heck is it? And here's what, what really sucks, uh, an uncomplicated choice where I had Rodney sitting there and basically he's shutting down. I think he was shutting down for the night and just double checking everything. And he was thinking about all these things that are going on. And it's, it's, you're inside his head and you're doing all the data dump, you know? And, um, Oh my gosh, Chris, Chris is on the chat. Chris is on the chat. Oh, I mean, we finally get to hear Chris's voice. Oh, she so called in once before. She called in once before. Um, she called in on Skype. Uh, Willow says, since pregnancy is one of the most dangerous conditions for a woman, I could see why someone might not want to carry one. I totally get where you're coming from. Um, I have a disconnect on this issue because I can't have children. Mm-hmm. And so there was a time in my life where that was all I wanted that was it and um, to give up the opportunity to do that and let my kid grow in a machine I find it very um, I don't know it just it's it's disconcerting it's it's it makes me feel really awkward on the inside it's like you know because it's different you know I have a different perspective coming into Mm -hmm. that than you know um so it's just you know I think my perspective yeah (sighs) it's well we we aren't to the point where we have functional uterine replicators so you know that's not something that's going to be happening anytime soon but it would be I mean if we if we could have one I might just you know? I would. I mean, I can't um, have one naturally, so I would, I would, I would make that jump. But if I could have one mm-hmm. naturally, I, I wouldn't want to surrender my. This is going to sound really terribly old-fashioned, but I'm going to say it. I would not want to surrender my womanhood to a machine. This is why when when I because I had it mentioned from. Um, in in um, my home is what you make of it, or, or 
whatever the hell the name of that series is. I had one where um, Elizabeth uh, and and Raddick, because they're my pet couple in there, um, they they had determined that they were going to have a child, and so they had one in the replicator. And partially you could call it um, Elizabeth's age, and also um, Elizabeth, the leader of the expedition, having her down due to pregnancy and recovery and any potential cross your fingers, knock on wood and hope really hard um, complications would not have been good. So cost benefit analysis and the replicator, the, the uterine replicator was the best bet. And then, you know, life happened and things unexpectedly twisted and she got pregnant. And so they're going to have what are going to be two children um, only a few months apart in age from two, what amounts to two different pregnancies, but one's going to be carried to term by Elizabeth and one's going to be carried to term by the replicator. And it's, um, <laughs> Elizabeth basically must, that she was very happy that she'd had the opportunity, but if she's going to have another one, it's going to be in the replicator. Thank you very much. And I never got into Miko's head, so I don't even know what I would put for her, but you know, in that one, it would probably be something along the lines of wrangling three is it is very irritating and they've spawned again. You know, speaking of um, the McKay Shepherds. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. But Oh, exposition, you, uh, Jilly puts in, uh, can you address exposition you should avoid altogether? Um, um, when, when I, you mentioned all these, these, um. Oh, for very, real. I don't need to know what color the fucking curtains are. I'm not so much interested in that. Um, the, the. Oh, I have a then, perfect example. In the Harry Potter fandom, when Harry goes shopping, that's exactly <laughs> right, Twisted. I don't need to know that Harry bought ten pairs of pants. Uh-huh. And how many different styles he bought. And in what color. And two pairs of shoes. And I also don't need at the very bottom of the story, I don't need you to give me that schedule you worked out for school. You know, that uh -huh. by-hour by schedule? I do have one for Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond. I can tell you where they are in class on any day of the week by the hour. I have not actually put that in Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond because you don't really care. <laughs> not so much, no. <laughs> but I do have an Excel spreadsheet where I have laid out their entire class schedule for sixth year. I do. I totally admit that. I also have one for fourth year because I'm doing that, um, the uh, Phoenix mm -hmm. one. Um, right. Um, where it's, it's set in fourth year because that, that's my niece's favorite book. And um, mm -hmm. so I had to do a fourth year or two. And, uh, but we don't need, you don't need to put that in your story. Mm -hmm. The When you're, the when you're writing The Hobbit... It's it's not important, um, really, really. It is super not important that you describe the geography. 
Or, hey, even worse, the entire spread that the dwarves had on the table at Bag End. We don't need that loving exposition of each and every dish. All right? No, we really don't. You you can tell me it's going to take six months to get to the Lonely Mountain. I'll believe you. You don't have to lay it out for me. It shouldn't take me six months to read it. Um, At least not once you finished it. (laughs) You know? There's an author I know that when you were when you put this particular topic up, my brain immediately went to him. It didn't go to the classics, okay? It didn't go to those guys, which unfortunately I'm one of those people who actually read Grapes of Wrath. I've managed to deep six most of it. It's horrifying. Um, no, the, the author I know of who actually sits there and data dumps, and it's boring data dumps, and those I actually skip, and that's a sad thing. And and you know, I don't. He he writes science fiction, hard science fiction. Okay, what amounts to space opera? I don't want to know about the capabilities of the spaceship. All right, it goes fast. It carries people from point A to point B. It kills things because it has really nice armament. But I don't need the technical specs. <laughs> this isn't my thing. You know. Ah. Uh, yeah. The problem is, is he's actually a really good writer, and if he's allowed, if he if he writes in a collab, it's great because um, the other author seems to rein him in pretty well. When he's all by himself, not so much. He's very wordy, and you know it's you know not slamming him because I buy his books and I enjoy them, but I tend to, like you, skip forward to the next piece of dialogue. I don't know what bang, this, bang, I don't know what bang. that says about me, but yeah, it's horrifying. Oh, um, make it interesting. You know, if you're going to be in somebody's head for um, for your exposition, don't just do it where you know they're sitting there staring up up at the sky and contemplating their navel as they think of all these interesting things. You know, my. My Rodney scene was him moving from one thing to another, taking care of different things, thinking about what was going to be happening. And, you know, um, his, he was going on with his life. You know? So, you know, it's... it's um, it shouldn't be boring. You know, that's, that's the major thing for me. <laughs> It shouldn't be boring. It also it shouldn't be um awkward. If when yeah. you're reading your own work mm-hmm. you pause and get up and go somewhere in the middle of a chapter, you might have a problem. <laughs> yeah. If you are reading your story and you're like, Oh, this is a good time for a bathroom break, take a look at what you've written. Take a really good look. <laughs> because if it's that yeah. easy to walk away from your own shit, you you might have a space there where um, you've done something to your reader that you need to apologize for. <laughs> I'm sorry, my bad. I didn't know what I was uh-huh. doing. Omakes piss me off. I don't understand them. The first time I ever encountered Omake was in the Harry Potter fandom. And there's one writer, I forget who it is, just 
I'm not going to say their name anyway. Oh, my God. Every fucking time. There's like this big play at the beginning of the story and big fucking play at the end of the story. And I'm like, what is this? And the first time I ever encountered an make, I didn't realize it was like an alternate scene to something that happened. And I'm like, but that's not – wait, did this happen? To... And then I realized it was like the vainest shit I've ever seen in my life. That's what it is. Okay, now, the hell? I've probably run into these, but, you know, it it says something interesting that I don't know what the hell it means. It's like at the end. It's a tradition in anime. It's an outtake. Mm -hmm. It's um, an extra scene, or maybe it's done a a different way, or, you know. uh, I saw a bunch of Omakes once where John was a, not John, Rodney Fuck me. Ron. No. Ron was being a real asshole in the story itself. And at the end of each chapter, there was an Omake where John, where, fuck, where Ron Weasley died terribly at the end of every chapter. Well, that's getting your frustrations out in a constructive way, but it's still, that's annoying. I find it really annoying. I really do. Um, I don't read them. I will skip it, like, you know, boom, done, skip. The closest I come to that are the interludes I stuff into things every once in a while. But the interludes are more of a, and I'm, I'm looking at as the world begins, um, because I, I basically... The interludes are, are at least for me, that the the main story takes place off Earth. It takes place where um, people ha- are, you know, um, trying to make sense of their new reality. And the interludes are what happens back on Earth, you know. And it's um, they isn't the same thing. They're data dumps, but they're data dumps. Well, no, but they're not outtakes. Outtakes or omics no. or whatever, but they're no, also they're not, not but... data dump because a data dump is is um it's a whole bunch of information you really don't need. This is stuff you actually needed because it's relevant. So it's not it's not a data dump. It's 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 you know like you don't really need to know how many pairs of pants Harry bought when he bought his new clothes. You mm-hmm. don't need to know Harry's school schedule. Yep. Yeah, in in the first one of these uh, interludes, I actually got to kill Kinsey. It was a great feeling. I actually wrote it just for that. (laughs) Yeah. And, yeah, I don't have any problems with it. But backstory (sighs) is another thing that you don't really need. I mean, I think that um, a lot of Deathly Hallows could have been cut. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I think I could have done without knowing about Snape's epic boner for Lily. Well, that I mean, that's I didn't the, need the, to the, know the about his boner. creepy cherry on top of his creepy Sunday. He was already horrific. Especially, I mean, just... especially when he asked to look into Harry's eyes as he mm. dies. Yuck! Because that's not creep fucking tastic. Mm-hmm. 
You can't see me, but I'm literally, I'm stabbing myself in the head with my chapstick. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and for the record, we could have done without that fucking epilogue, too. Of course, it doesn't yes, exist well, in my book anymore. I cut it out. Yes. But information dumping is shit you don't need. Shit your reader actually doesn't need to know and probably doesn't care to know. Well, I try, I mean, if I'm going to put anything extra in like this, I at least try and make it useful and, and interesting, you know. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the second interlude. There's, these are little little scenes that touch on um, on what's happening. I mean, I'm looking at the second one. I've got the numbers guys. I've got the president. I've got Adara, the Orisai, and I've got a very nice gentleman who is, you know, planning homicide. It's great. This was all relevant, you know. And and as I'm going through it. Um, even the parts where I wrote, um, as, as little, be, you know, before the, the, the scenes stuff, it's again, it's relevant. It's stuff that, you know, it may not seem like it at the time, but it will echo through. And that's something that, um, was a deliberate choice. But there is a difference. There is a difference. What yeah. happens is is that an author builds this whole um, backstory in in their brain. Um, and you can see a lot of my oh, backstory oh. and stuff that I developed um, in the Q&A I did for Ties That Bind. Um, you can see where, you know, that information didn't make it into the story because it's not relevant to John and Rodney's relationship. But I still had all that stuff all written down in my Bible um, because mm-hmm. I just I built this this world and, and I you had need, to. You need to be able. You needed to be able to refer back to something that was solid because it's a lot of information that you've got there, and, and keeping all of it straight is difficult. Okay. Well, yeah, and I also have um, a family tree for Harry that goes all the way back to. Um, it's a secret. I, I can't say. Um. It relates to season three. You're gonna to have to wait. You're you're just gonna to have to wait. <laughs> okay. Also um, today, okay. I decided on a series name for um, the work I did for Unspeakable Plot. I'm gonna call it Harry Potter and the Winter Witch. Okay. Oh Huh. Apparently I'm missing something. <laughs> well, nope. Her- Hermione's the Winter Witch. Well, yes, but we've got... Let's see, we've got Soulmate Bond, Ten Years After the War, The War Mages uh, Trilogy, Birth of Unspeakable the Serpent Plot. King. Not, well, <clears throat> part of the reason why it's not on here is because it's not finished, so it's not up yet. Right, yeah. Okay. But I was trying to figure out how I was going to frame what I've written for the unspeakable plot and um um how I wanted to arrange that and um I realized that I wanted to do um a series of novellas, but I needed to um 
writing the series, and I decided to call it um, Harry Potter and the Winter Witch. Um, and the Winter Witch, of course, is Hermione. Um, and if you've read the unspeakable plot when I had it on Rough Trade, um, Hermione um, was named after a character in The Winter's Tale. Um, and that's why, mm-hmm. like, that's why she's called the Winter Witch in a prophecy. Um, but, yeah, so uh, I have a lot of background and a lot of information. I've got two um, composition notebooks full of um, ideas and research and um, world-building for Ties That Bind. I have one very similar to it. I'm using a different kind of notebook now these days. I've been using an artist tablet. But I really like that free space and the white paper. You may have seen some pictures on Facebook when I was doing some plotting for um, mm-hmm. July. But um, I... Uh, you always have a lot of information, whether thing, you write um, it down I, like I do, or you keep it in your head mm-hmm. as a as a pantser. It's always there, and if you're not careful, it will spill right out onto the page. Sometimes I get, uh, I will admit, sometimes it spills out into the page, and I have been known to cut and paste and drop it into stuff that will never happen. Um, a few days ago, Jill, uh, Jillie and I got to talking about, um, she comment, uh, she put up one of her, um, Sentinel and Guide ones, and it's, um, she had a lion guide in, in the story, and she mentioned that Part of it was uh, inspired off of my turn of having somebody be a line guide. And we both got to talking about what that particular um, animal meant to us. And while I knew what it meant to me, I hadn't really sat down and and truly articulated and put it into words as to what it would be. It's now down on, on, you know, ones and zeros where I can find it again. But... I'm, and I'm a hell of a lot more of a pantser than you'll ever be, Kira. Um, <laughs> I don't pants at all. When I, when I pants, I things know. go bad. Yeah, they they definitely take a turn left, uh, right at Albuquerque instead of left. Um, but straight it's, on uh, till dawn, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, hello there, Peter Pan. Are you Wendy, darling? Um. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to be anybody now. I think I want to be Tinkerbell. She was a real bitch. She was a badass little, you know, fairy that she definitely got her point across, you know. Um, it's a, uh, I've got stuff that, that I've done in the, um, in the Sentinel and Guide fandom that won't see the light of day. You know, the, the stuff that will um, that will stay on my hard drive because I'm not going to put it in because there's there's no reason to. There's no need to. It's the background that I need to make things work. But, you know, it's not something that I'm going to um, put in because it's just, it's on, on a needed level of information. Comment, you gonna, you going to respond to that one? 
No, you may not call me Tinks now, but thanks. I appreciate you asking in advance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you have wings. But I sometimes you have to do a time skip. Mhm. And you find yourself um and I think that's when I I misstepped with um Lanty and Legacy is that I skipped ahead and then um when it came time to do the beta for book 2 both Chris and Lady Holder were like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. There's been like a whole, what, what happened? What happened? Because this is, it ended in space so and now they're on a planet and what the fuck I'm happened? So and so I time skipped and they weren't prepared for it, which made me think that, um, that my readers would, wouldn't be prepared for it either and that the time skip would be jarring. Um, <laughs> I just had a Flash Gordon yes. flashback. Am I the only one? <laughs> because that was like Ming the Merciless just came back to life. For those of you who don't get that, I feel sorry for you. I, I feel deeply sorry for you if you don't get that. Take your butts to YouTube and look up Ming the Merciless. <clears throat> oh, I don't. Da, 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 da. That was my, uh, Chris, that was actually my spouse, my beloved hubby. He, he, um, he's actually in his, in his office, um, talking on his phone with somebody. Uh, I think it's one of his friends from, from, uh, the Navy. And let's see, there's Ming. I don't know if you can, you know, 80, you know, 80s when they questions, it's, it's, um, I forgot exactly how much LeMay was in the scene too. Jesus. <laughs> Me too. I watched The Flash, and I'm not ashamed of it at all. Ah, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, Bond villain rap. You know, I'm not too sure. Um, I think he beat, was it, who's the one that had Odd Job? Was it Odd Job, the one who, who um, also had the, the villain had a, um, a laser had Sean strapped to a table and told him that he didn't want him to give up information. He just wanted him to die. That was the one who I think cackled well, too. I don't really remember. I think I must have blocked that out because I don't remember that really well. Mm. Flash Gordon is definitely the type of movie where you sit there, you pop it in, you, you have your popcorn and your whatever you're going to be drinking, and you sit there and you enjoy the hell out of the cheese. Because it's, it's kind of like Ice Pies, which, we, which we've discussed before. Um, oh, yes. I, I hey, love they Ice managed info dumps well. On, hey, they did some info, good info dumps on that one to, to round it back over because they, they, um, they had a narration. All right. They, well, the beauty. And, and, 
the beauty of movie format is that you can do a montage, which is like a a mm-hmm. visual information dump, but it's entertaining. And so you get all this information mm-hmm. thrown to your reader, your your viewer, and then you move on. Well, it's difficult to do a montage in a book with any kind of success. It is. It is because it, it feels it feels forced. Yeah, which is which is which is too bad. And thank you, Sorka, for the the um, movie. It looks like I have something to watch this weekend. Um, oh, I guess one of the things that that um, when I'm reading and I'm I'm enjoying somebody's stuff, if if it's a Discussion between characters where they're they're catching, you know, hey, you know what happened um, at the end of Harry's vassals. You know, you've got um, the new uh, or the quote unquote new guy to us asking about Harry's hair, which is a very nice running joke, by the way. Um, you know, that's that's a small little let, let's catch you up here and 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 let you know what's going on. You know, and it's it's a um, it's a subtle way of making everything work, or not so subtle. It's uh, about continuity and connection, um, mm-hmm. bringing uh, information and events full circle. Because he wasn't there for that, and that isn't something that Harry would have um, um, talked about in a letter to his vassal because. Uh, it's the last thing he wants to talk about, and so whenever somebody brings it up, he has this this flash of irritation um, at Hermione, and he can't help it. Um, and then he feels guilty for being mad, and so it's like this this circle of um, of terribleness. Um, and my favorite line in um, Harry's Vassals is actually Sirius talking about his luxurious hair. <laughs> I. I, mean, I giggled. I giggled when I wrote it. I was like, ah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I'm actually surprised that you didn't have Harry, you know, come after Sirius with a set of clippers. You know, just because <laughs> he, he's being such an asshole, and and he's cutting well, his hair. And he's here's the thing about Sirius is that the level of vanity he has for his hair, which is probably why Harry was so attached to his own. While Harry doesn't want to do the hair growth potion because he doesn't want to walk around looking like a werewolf, if you think back to the first chapter of Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond, you know that Sirius, in fact, did walk around looking like a werewolf for three weeks to grow his hair back after Harry had it all removed with a spell during a duel. And so that's the difference between, you know, that there's that, there's there's two kinds of vanity there. One, Harry desperately wants his hair back, but he's not willing to go the route that his father did. And two, Sirius is vain enough to have done it. Oh, it's it. I I want I have oh. to wonder if he would. Oh, have, Claire hasn't read it. Done it now. Oh, Claire hasn't read it. I oh. had, I hadn't realized there were people in the chat room who had not read um the story yet. Uh, there's nothing you know. Mm. Sorry, my bad. Oh. Um. Okay. We need to find something else to talk about. <laughs> the thing is, is that 
um, I think that I've been exploring craft issues a lot with um, Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond. I've been working mm-hmm. my way through different parts of the craft and um, my craft issues. Cause I do have issues. I think that um, there is no writer on earth who doesn't have issues that they need to work on um, and improve on. And there was just... Uh, one thing that I do tend to do is that I do the exact opposite of exposition and then I have to go back and fill in the details is that I will keep more information to myself than I should. And then I have to go back and fill in little spots and details and add information. Um, and it's because when I, when I was, um, well, most of the time you don't see it at that stage. I think the one time you did see it at that stage, you were like, what the fuck is this? And that was the first book in Lantean Legacy, which is why it went from 30 to 50K during the beta. Because I sent Chris and Lady Holder the bare bones of No Enemy Within, and um, they came back with 10,000 questions apiece. Now, I'm, I'm joking about that number, but there were actually like close to 1,000 comments between them during beta um, regarding <laughs> that particular um, story and that because it, it, it's, it's the foundation of um, a universe. So, of course, it has to mm-hmm. be um, explored fully. Well, and uh, But, yeah, so – my first draft is really a lot of times bare bones. So writing on rough trade in public forces me to not do that. And that's what I get out of rough trade is that um, I'm a bare bones writer on my rough draft on a normal basis. And then I go back and fill in the details. But on rough trade, I don't have time to do that. So I have to slow down, which I know sounds kind of counterintuitive. I have to slow down and pay attention and fill in the details as I go. So it's a different writing experience for me to write in rough trade than it is on a normal basis. Because by the time Lady Holder or Chris see um, my draft for beta, it's actually using my third or fourth draft of a story. And just as an FYI, most people, um, the stuff that is put up as the... um, Evil Author Day, or you know, hey, here's I, I've decided to to be evil on a spontaneous day, and she puts up something. Those aren't the the bare bones. That's stuff that has been through the ringer a couple times. Okay. Yeah, those um, are, yeah. My my Evil Author Day stuff is usually um, a second or a third draft, um, and mm-hmm. except for that Trinity story. And I do have one other oh, that, story that I is the first draft, and that would be Bees on Her and Feet. And I've seen that one. That's the first draft, yeah. Um, but uh, for the most the part, I don't – yeah, it is, yeah. Oh, it just kind of poured out know. of me, and I didn't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. But my oh. rough trade, what you see on rough trade is my rough draft. It's my first rough draft. And um, I actually have gotten told more than once – that um, I had a, a reader from Rough Trade email me and say um, uh, that it was obvious I was pre-writing before the challenge because no one could be that polished on their rough draft. I promise you, when I am writing in Rough Trade, that is my rough draft. 
And Bees on Her Feet mm-hmm. is also my first rough draft. If you see it, that, that, that's on my Facebook page. Um, on rough trade, I have to slow down. I have to give you um, – I have to have my first and second draft at the same time, basically, when I'm, when I'm in rough mm-hmm. trade. And that is uh, the biggest challenge I face in any rough trade challenge, which is I, I enjoy it. I, I like it a lot. I, I think it's improving me as a writer. I think that every time I come out of rough trade, I've learned something about myself and about my process that I didn't expect to learn. I've gotten no, Sarah. Most... The term I actually used was uh, "go fuck yourself," <laughs> but it was close yeah. to piss off. Pretty much, yeah. right? Yeah, basic same same um, meaning. That's the problem with people um, who email me is that I can't always tell who they are on Facebook or who they mm-hmm. are on Rough Trade. Um, I uh, I get a lot of grief both ways on Rough Trade from from anonymous emailers. Um, I can't believe this is your rough draft. There's no way you wrote this much in a single month. Um, I can't believe you stopped writing. I was telling um, Jilly this um, in a chat, and I'm not sure if it was just me and her or if it was a group of us. I can't remember. Um, During April of this year, I had to withdraw from Rough Trade because um, while I didn't discuss it at the time, um, I, I discussed it briefly afterwards, but during April, I found a very large lump in my breast, and I had to have it removed and tested for cancer. And um, I have a complicated relationship with the big C, and um, it it messes with me mentally and emotionally, and it's very difficult to write during that time. So I withdrew from the April challenge. I actually had someone who was participating in Rough Trade email me and bitch about me not participating because it lowered the traffic on the site and they weren't getting the attention they expected to get in a challenge in which I participated in. Didn't I, when I hear about that, I basically started sounding like the Tasmanian devil and she did. She did do person. an excellent Tasmanian devil. Um, yeah, they were disappointed because they weren't getting the kind of traffic they thought they should have got, and they blamed me for um, withdrawing from the challenge. So I get that too. Yeah. Um, yeah. They did that yeah, from an anonymous my, email, so I have no idea who it was, or they would not be a part of Rough Trade today. So if you're listening, go fuck yourself again. I said it to you in your email. I'm not sure if you ever read it. <coughs> what are you doing? Uh, we got dinner, and the husband's decided to be his normal, pleasant self when it comes to brown paper packages. And the radio show. Uh-huh. I don't By the way, bill. Um, She's going to send you a bill for, for the bullshit that she for pulls. Shit. And because she pays for the shit. And also, there are people from down under who uh, said, hi, you know, Mr. Lady Holder. Stop! For fuck's sake, husband! I'm going to bite you. Go away. Hey, no sex on my radio show. No sex on my radio show. Shame on you. What were you no thinking? No sex on her radio show. Shame on you, to quote. <laughs> So I'm using scissors to to cut down on the the sound of 
paper being shredded like the cats do. So, you know, here, you're such a dick. <laughs> I can't stand it. Um, I've actually gotten, I've gotten very mild pushback um, about how clean my stuff is when I, when I, um, when I write, but what people don't see and, and it works out for me is that when I write, since I'm writing at work, most of my writing is, since it's by hand and it might be with a magic pen, it might be actually in a notebook by itself. Um, I have to think really hard about what I'm putting in. I don't have that free flow between my fingers and, you know, whatever, whatever post I'm putting it on, you know, um, and it takes longer. And sometimes that, that makes all the difference. Um, beautiful and dangerous things. The first, what? 600 words of that first chapter is mine. I might have put some words okay. here and there and there because that's what happens when I open it up. I'll be like, no, I want to use this word instead. <laughs> I have no mm -hmm. boundaries. I have no boundaries. We don't. I mean, that's, that's, that's the one we sit there and play with together. But um, what goes on with that one is um, I can tell it's mine just from <laughs> just from the word choices and the way it's structured, okay? Not just because I remember also, you know, sitting there as, as Kira and I are chatting one day and, you know, I sent her a, you know, here, I wrote it and, and you know, what do you think about it? And got back 20 minutes later, the next part of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, good times. But... And you make that sound like I invaded your story, and we actually planned that out together on the phone. <laughs> we did plan it out together, but you know, somehow, some way, I actually thought um, that one was going to end up being a, you know, um, those are mine. Where's mine? Those are fried. Oh damn it, Meanie. I was hoping he'd gotten me something else, but oh well. Um, Cauliflower. Cry me a friggin' river. I forgot. Oh, I didn't <laughs> get any food. Hey, it's <laughs> deep fried cauliflower. It's There's good stuff. There's cauliflower in there. The oil is in there, and that's deep fried. How about it? Um, what's for dinner? Actually, it would it's um buffalo uh, wings and normally a a side of deep fried battered cauliflower. Uh, so yeah, yums. Um, <laughs> you're a very nice husband. You're a wonderful husband. What do you want? <laughs> Half of your cauliflower? How's that even a question? <laughs> well, if there was any cauliflower, I'd just steal it. That would have been what I wanted. But, you know, you actually got deep fried shrimp. So, you know, there's no way in hell I'm eating any of your food. Oh, ugh. 
See, I just went, oh, and I actually eat shrimp. I was like, I had a moment where I was in her brain. <laughs> Which is basically what mine did. That was because, weird. Yeah. Yeah. And we're... I don't want any, I'll just, I'm not even responding to that. <sighs> yeah. I think there is a element uh, on Rough Trade of um, writer entitlement, and that's my fault because I um, I focus so much energy on making um, safe, or making it for it, authors that there's this mentality. It's writer centric, or yeah. It is writer-centric, and that was the whole point, but there's no need to be an asshole. <laughs> well, no more than natural, at least. I would say you're right, absolutely right, Julie, that no one's entitled to anything. You're not entitled to... <clears throat> Feedback, you're not entitled not to readers. Um, I'm not going to press gang my audience into reading your work, and if that's why you're on Rough Trade, you need to step off. Mm-hmm. The thing, the thing that we, we try and make sure is, you know, be, because it's something that um, – it is something that, that, that you laid down. This is, it's our safe place, yes, okay, but it's a, um, it's a safe place that we have a responsibility to, okay? And the responsibility is, first and foremost, don't be an asset. Um, if you need an explanation of it, I can certainly find you a picture. But um, that's just like to be a general rule. Just don't be an asshat. I mean, that should just like be a life rule. If everybody followed this rule, I think the world would be a better place. Just literally, don't be an asshat. Yeah. <laughs> I have a picture. There's a picture. <clears throat> I think that should be a rule in Congress, too, but we're not going to discuss politics. Um, feel the burn, okay? Feel the burn. But we're not going to discuss politics. Feel it. <laughs> yes, Sarah, you should look. Um, <laughs> I'm a relatively bad person. When it comes to um, writing and developing yourself as a writer, I think it's important to open yourself up to learning and, um, you know, make mistakes and learn from your mistakes and don't be ashamed or embarrassed about the mistakes that you make because as a writer, everything I've ever written is important to me. Um even the ones that are really super terrible, super terrible. Um, it's just, it's, 
it's important to um, to acknowledge where you are and where you used to be and where you want to be. And so if you info dump in your story, figure out when and where you do it and learn not to do it. Don't apologize for it though. I would say that to the worst thing I see in fandom is an apology at the front of a story. Do not apologize for your words, for your work. Don't apologize. You don't owe anybody an apology. It's always it's always not sorry. Not sorry. Just put it up there. Don't apologize for your work. And you're right, Chris. The early childhood training has most women apologizing every time they fucking breathe. And it's true. When when I see it, it's it's female writers. I, I can't even tell you how many times um, I've seen a man do it. I I don't know that I ever have seen a male writer do this at the front. Oh, I'm sorry. This this is this, is, this sucks. Don't read it. Um, I suck at some reason. I'm sorry. Men don't do that. It's difficult enough for me to put together a summary. There's absolutely no way I'm going to say, look, dudes, I suck at summaries. And so this is your summary. This is what happens. No. Uh Uh-uh. All right. The truth may be I suck at summaries. But it doesn't belong. That particular personal opinion does not belong in front of what I write. It might have taken a while to get to that particular point, but it sure as shit doesn't belong there. You know. Really, Sarka? Okay. Um. <laughs> and you shouldn't. Even if he banged that teddy bear, don't, don't apologize for it. Just don't. Don't apologize. Just, I hope he gave that bear a bath. I'm just. <laughs> but don't apologize. Yeah. Don't. It's just. And I do see it with with female writers, and there was this young writer in um, the group that I that I meet, and um, she would open up like when it, when it would become her turn to talk about whatever she was doing, she would apologize first. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know why I did this, but here's what I did. Or I'm sorry. It's gonna take a little long today. Or I'm sorry. Uh, just whatever. She would apologize for something. And finally, um, we just started stopping her. No, no, don't apologize. And we finally broke her of apologizing to us. But I'm sure she's out there in the world right now apologizing to somebody. Because it's just, it was like, I'm sorry came out of her mouth 25 times a day. It's just, I think one of the things I've, I've learned to stick instead of, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, when I'm going through a, uh, a crowded situation where, you know, instead of saying, I'm sorry, can you please move? It's, pardon, please move. You know, I'm not going to say I'm sorry for needing to get through. 
you know, but I will announce when I'm walking up behind somebody so that way I don't brush up against somebody in a way that they might consider it inappropriate. Yeah. I have three responses to that. Pardon me, pardon mm-hmm. you, and excuse you. Yeah. Um, given my job, I'm basically a professional apologist. Um, it's a sad thing to say, but it's the truth. And so not using the work training when I'm off my job can sometimes be a very difficult thing. So it gets interesting at times. Yeah, I don't know any other way to put it other than to say it's really hard sometimes to overcome early childhood training. It goes back to that thing about the apologies, but also um, being taught to get out of somebody's way. I have made a conscious effort not to move. Like if you're walking down an aisle and there's a man coming your way, how often do you move aside for him? More often than you think. Because I didn't think I did it. I didn't think I was, um, but I do, I did. And the the first time I caught myself doing it after this was pointed out to me, I was furious Hmm. with myself. So I stopped doing it, and I can't tell you how many times I've had men, like we come like face-to-face with each other because he expects you to move out of his way every single time he expects you to move. And when you don't, and you're like an inch apart, when he realizes you're not going to move. You're not going to get out of his way. Definitely like every other woman has since the day he started walking. So I've started checking the dick privilege. I don't get out of their way. I think I'm going to have to start paying attention because I don't really notice. But then again, it's something that it it's ingrained and it's training and it's it's cultural and you know it's it's not something i think about most of the time now i know there are times that i don't get out of the way um and i'll stand there and you know plow right on through straight up the middle and say fuck it and go so i don't know i don't know if it's you know half and half with with the way i do things so I have to think about it and start paying attention. I didn't think I did it until I caught myself doing it. But also here's something else that um, I think, um, and this is, you know, um, the culture of, of women in the United States is that we're taught to walk with a purpose. We're taught to get in our car and leave immediately from a, from a location. Um, I have carried my keys with my key stuck between my fingers. So it's a weapon. Since I was in college, I still do this. My ignition key from my car is stuck between my knuckles. So if I have to fend off an attacker, I'll have a ready-made mm-hmm. weapon to do so. I have done yep. this since I was 20 years old. 
I don't make eye contact with men I don't know. I get out of their way. I make an effort not to be noticed by them. I do this every day. This is the country that I live in. This is what I've been taught to do. Mm-hmm. This is rape culture. Yeah. Yeah, it is, unfortunately. I remember being in college, and there is this... Um, uh, I was wearing this this tiny dress, and it was um, had a lot of strings in the back, and it was kind of flimsy, and it was basically see through, and um, at least you know parts of it were see through, and um, it I, I wore I was gonna wear it to a club, and I looked great in this dress. It was really cute, and all my friends agreed with me that I looked great in it. It was gonna be fabulous, and my boyfriend came over, and he said, "Baby, you can't wear that to that club." I said, well, what do you mean I can't wear it to the club? I look good in this. And he goes, yeah, you look fantastic in that, but you can't wear that to a club. It'll get torn off of you. It's too flimsy. And I realized he was right. And that expectation was kind of horrifying. And from Mm -hmm. then on out, I wore jeans and a shirt to every bar I went to. It became armor. Yeah. Clothes are they are in some way. Because, I mean they're because either dresses dresses became oh that's a cute dress. No, it became oh that's easy <clears throat> access. Yeah. Sarah says, I was told during a safety seminar, if you get carjacked, if driving crashed a car, people will come to the scene of an accident, but not to a car parked on the side of the road. I was told if I was attacked by a man to scream fire, because if you scream fire, people will come help you. But if you scream rape, no one's going to come for you. They said that to me during a safety seminar when I was in college. Scream fire because people turn away when they hear anything else. I'm thinking to myself, what in the fuck? I remember being in a large auditorium and there were discussions about what to do if you were assaulted and there were discussions about the statistics about rape being um, prosecuted and date rape being prosecuted and um, successfully. And this was a, a law enforcement officer talking. And um, so I raised my hand, and I was I was 19. And I, I said, so what you're telling me is statistically if a man attacks me, he's not going to go to jail for it. And he said, yes, ma'am. I said, so statistically speaking, if I kill the man that attacks me, am I going to go to jail for it? And yes, you ma'am. could have heard a pin drop. He said, it greatly depends. I said, on what? He says, if you kill them while they're attacking you, that's self-defense. If you kill them three days later, that's premeditated. I said, okay, good to know. Mm-hmm. Good to know. 
Yeah. That's totally off topic. I apologize. <laughs> we're just not totally mm-hmm. there. I go apologizing. We're completely off topic. Well, um, like that's new. We're always off topic. No. Uh, it's just we, we we haven't um, figured out how to stay on topic for the love nor money. <laughs> it's so it's okay. No one expects this is the junk mm-hmm. part. And junk. Yeah, I know. We, there you hey, go. We we actually did manage to get the the most of the data dump stuff out. So you know, good time. I think so too. That's I think that the best way to handle it, like the best way to handle exposition is to put it in dialogue. <clears throat> give it to your characters. Don't don't allow yourself to tell the reader things. Have your characters reveal things to your reader for you on your behalf. And I think that works best. And keep it short. Um, don't monologue on your characters all the time. That leads to um, boredom as well. It can also slow your pace. Sometimes it can be um, a good way to do it if you if you've got everything from one point of view. Somebody who who holds all the information. Um, I'll do. I'll sit in somebody's head as they're dealing with the situation and they're they're going through their mental checklist. I mean, I did that with Rodney. I've done it with Daniel. Um, I've done it with other characters where they're thinking about something and it's a data dump, but it's, it's somebody's internal, you know, thought processes of why certain things are and it works very well. Um, I don't realize exactly how much I do it until, you know, I reread stuff and I see that I've got a lot of pieces of it like that. Um, you gotta be careful with that too, cause you can't go too far. So it's yeah. everything in moderation. Everything in moderation, except for porn. Everything else in moderation. Wait a second. If you're going to, there can never be enough. Uh, porn, no, there can never be enough cock, but there can be too much. I don't need to have a beat by beat. I don't need to have an absolute beat by beat of every single thrust. Okay. I do. Give me all the highlights. I like that shit. Well, I enjoy the hell out of good, well-written smut. What I'm talking about is is the loving description of every single thrust and every you know every squish and twitch and wonderful and dude, just I don't want the clinical. I want the fun. I want the sexy. I want the 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 hot as 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 smoking whatever you know that that is this. I don't want the you know, the clinical explanation of what's going on, you know. I'll tell so, you what so I what... don't want. Um, how much time do we got left? Oh, we're down to six Four minutes. minutes. Okay. Six minutes. Okay. Um, there is a few things about anal sex that we don't talk about. Mm-hmm. And they don't need to be talked about. But what it boils down to is this. If you're having anal sex and um, you're not using a condom, look, there's nowhere for the semen to go. <laughs> there, to use the parlance, there's going to be a wet spot. 
It's going to come back out. But we don't need to know, okay? We don't need to know, Star Trek fans. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you, Star Trek readers. We don't need to know. I've seen that more in Star Trek than I have in any other fandom. Also, yes, you having anal sex without... <laughs> sorry, Sarah. Without a condom can lead to a urinary tract infection. Again, this is information that I don't need hashed out for me. Mm-hmm. Also, we know what the anus is intended for. You don't need to bring it up. We or know. poetic about how much things are that is you know how much things are not sanitary. It's just no. No. Sorry, I'm so sorry, Sarah. Well, I'm glad I mean it that clearly. We don't need to know. <laughs> and I agree. This this actually came up earlier in the week for Jilly. Um, when you're writing as anal sex scene, you can say, oh, God, or oh, fuck, or damn, or just don't say shit. Oh, bloody hell. Just don't say shit. Just, just, just don't. Yes, let's, let's pass on that particular one. Thanks awfully. Look, even an atheist <laughs> finds, even an atheist finds God when they're fucking. So you can say, oh, God, you can, you can stick with that. Oh, God, works fine. <laughs> Don't say. Oh. Just just don't say shit. I'm not even sure I can actually repeat that, Jilly. Apparently the dialogue was, quote. Oh, my God, I'm going to. I'm going to dot, 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 shit. <laughs> this was said during the middle of an anal penetration scene. Don't do this. Yes. Don't, yes, please don't no. do this. Um, oh. So there's just there's sometimes just information that you know and I know that don't need to be included, and that definitely um, I don't need that moment when the bottom is sitting on the toilet. I really don't yeah, no, start no, that no. I don't need that. I don't. I don't need if, it. If you must. If you must have something mentioning, you know, say they, they rolled out of bed, changed the sheets, or laid down a towel to deal with the wet spot, and that's it. You're done. It's, it covers don't everything the wet that spot. you Don't, don't mention. bring out the wet spot. It's dirt. It's a, uh, ugh. Okay, it's a, uh, ah. Don't bring out the wet spot. Just don't. Also, <laughs> also, um, there is no delicate way to put this. But be careful of the words you use when one character is rimming another. <laughs> and if you don't know what rimming is, you got no fucking business being in my chat room or on my radio show. What 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 the hell? Why are you here? Just don't just <laughs> go Google don't like bring up taste and don't bring up smell. Okay. And if you must bring up taste, don't bring up the word taint. And I know it has double meaning in that particular area. Just don't bring it up. It's not a good word. Um, spicy is an okay word. It's kind of, uh, just, just, just don't. And also, 
from me to you, from me to you, I would really appreciate it if you would stop using the word pucker. Pucker. What? No, stop. Stop. We're done in 90 seconds, and earthy is bad, too. Earthy, dark, spicy. Just just don't. Just don't bring up taste and don't bring up smell. Just don't. <laughs> okay, so we we have a couple things now. We we have do not bring up um the the taste of what happens when you rim. Um no ass uh, no ass to mouth, no ass to whatever. Use plenty of lube. Um remember when when uh exposition is is useful or not. Have I have I missed any? And do everything in moderation except for cock. Except for cock, yes, of course. <laughs> you guys have a great weekend. I am, if you were here not for, here for the earlier part of the show, I'll be spending tomorrow with my mother doing God knows what. I'll probably be on Twitter bitching about it. Talk to you guys have a great evening. Talk Say to good night, lady. lady Holder. Good night, Lady Holder. During Mega Memorial Month, now through May 31st, we will accept your credit application. A $200 down payment and a $350 a week paycheck can get you a new Mitsubishi. Don't forget, every new vehicle comes with our 10-year unlimited warranty. You can win 5000 bucks with our 5K test drive giveaway. Visit BillPennyMitsubishi.com. To qualify buyers on approved credit, warranty valid through 10-year ownership on new vehicles only. One entry per household per month. Must be 21 with valid driver's license and insurance. See dealer for details. Seven billion humans on Earth can't all like the same drink. That's why Circle K has Polar Pop and Froster. Pick your flavors and make that one in seven billion mix just right for you. Polar Pop and Froster, just 79 cents each at Circle K. Limited time only at participating locations.